0: Welcome to the Way of the Weaver podcast, where we explore magic, justice, and community.
1: Thanks for showing up to our queer-centric, radically enchanted conversations. Our world needs your magic. I'm
0: Jamie Wagner. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm coming to you from Muskogee land in so-called Alabama.
1: I'm Murphy Robinson. My pronouns are they or he, and I'm coming to you from Indakana, the land of the Abenaki people, also known as Vermont.
0: okay well welcome to season one episode five and today we're going to be talking about purifying consecrating and caring for divination tools um murphy where do you usually get your tools are they used or new when you get them like do do they have some kind of energy on them do they have you ever noticed anything like that
1: that's a good question um I get a lot of magical tools from like thrift stores and free piles, honestly. That's uh, kind of like where <laughs> yeah, I like to source my goods. It's like a, uh, both an ecologically more sustainable way to get things, and it's also just a fun treasure hunt. Um, so things like scrying bowls and stuff like that I might get at a thrift store um, or find them on the roadside. It's, it's totally free pile season here in Vermont right now. There's a lot of free piles on the side of the road. It's um It's almost a little dangerous because you like – I always try to look at the free piles as you should keep your ass in the road. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely get used things um, that way. I also, I mean, for like a divination deck, I might buy that new if it's something that I'm really interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Or I've also received them as gifts or. Um, some of the, like, camps and events that I go to or some of the ones we, that we host have, like, a magical swap shop free table kind of situation at the camp where you're specifically more likely <laughs> to find those, those magical items. Um, and I also, like get and make a lot of my magical tools including some divination things just from the natural world like I make my own rune sets out of um, slips of wood that I harvest in the forest uh, in the town where I live I often use alder wood because um, it's a fast-growing plant that'll grow back really quickly that has a really pretty sort of orange tint to the wood when you slice it up into little discs and then I would burn that into my rune sets. so you know a combination of the natural world Um, thrift stores and and occasional new purchases and um, (laughs) you know the stuff I source from the natural world I'm I'm pretty in tune with the plant or the rocks or whatever that I'm harvesting from. And so I'm usually taking things that feel like they have a good and positive energy to me and having some kind of like consent and gratitude process with the plant or the environment um, around harvesting that. So those I feel like are kind of good to go um, as soon as I'm bringing them home. But things that I get from uh, a used source or even newly newly manufactured, I do feel like um, I w- I always want to do some sort of little cleansing process on them to just like refresh their energy. I haven't I haven't dealt with tools that feel like they have a lot of bad energy on them, but I just um, you know it's sort of dedicating them to a new use and um, yeah. inviting them to like collaborate with me and this new intention for them. So that feels like a a good good restore. It restart of their of their <laughs> magical lives um but jamie what about you have you where do you get your stuff and does it have energetic funk on it when you <laughs> receive it
0: <laughs> um well like you uh, i really like to thrift i like make the rounds of my favorite thrift stores you know probably at least once every week week and a half. (laughs) I love the treasure hunt of finding things. Um, so I found some of my magical tools that way. Uh, I also, you know, have inherited, um, several little things from, Uh, You know, like when my grandmother like moved out of her big house and consolidated um, to live with my parents and, you know, just like my great grandmother who passed away a long time ago, like just things that have come to me uh, through those types of sources and um, they never used them for, you know, magical purposes, (laughs) but, you know, I love to, you know, I love to like. Repurpose them. You know, for example, I have this like really cool, like little brass cauldron with like these elaborate little feet um, that was my grandmother's. And I use it to uh, burn incense now. And it's a great little container for doing stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I would say if they come in with funk, it's kind of positive funk. It's not, it's not, it's not bad funk. Um, but at the same time, I still go through the process of purifying them, cleansing them, and then, you know, um, consecrating them to a new purpose. Um, because I think uh, I was laughing with you when we were playing this episode about how, you know, it's no longer a candy, di- like <laughs> candy dish for Jesus. Now it's the, um, you know, the the bowl that I use to hold like my crystals and things on an altar. So, yeah, just kind of repurposing stuff. Um, I kind of, you know, I kind of like when things come with the history or they feel like they've already been in use for a little while. Though for some reason I just really love that. It's probably why I've always loved thrifting ever since I was a kid. Um, and I I don't really buy a lot of new magical tools, I would say that um when I buy something new, it's usually because it's like a tarot deck that I love the art, you know what I mean? Like something like that. Um, because I'm quite creative and I make a lot of things. Um, I don't live in quite the setting that you do on the side of a mountain. (laughs) But I often make things like, you know, if I'm making something like a protection charm for a house or for a friend, I often source it like from my own yard, right? From like little sticks that have fallen off the trees or, um, you know, seed pods that look interesting and, and can come, you know, kind of contribute to the energy that I'm looking for. So yeah, so I guess there's probably some similarities in where we both get our tools. <laughs> um, so we're talking about this idea of purifying them. So purif- purification is basically just a way to say cleansing something. Um, Murphy, can you talk about that a little bit? Kind of like give us some more info on that concept.
1: Yeah, if you want to con- cleanse and prepare something for to come into like your own magical practice after having whatever history it has had, whether that's with other users or just the history of being printed in a big factory in the case of a tarot deck that you buy new or something like that. Um, There's a few different common ways that people purify magical objects. Um, One is to put it in the sunlight or the moonlight for a while to intentionally place it in that, you know, sort of celestial light um, in order to just let that uh, recharge it and... You know, the sunlight is is disinfecting, like when you dry your laundry in the sun, it actually helps to yeah. disinfect it. So there is actually like a um, like a biological uh, basis for that in some ways, but also just the energy of these um, these bodies, uh, these light shining bodies in the sky is is pretty magical. Um another thing that people recommend for some types of things is salt water soaking in salt water obviously don't want to soak a tarot deck in salt water that would be very bad for <laughs> yeah, it
0: <that> would. <laughs> um, but if
1: you use like stone runes or you have a pendulum that's made of metal or stone or something water safe um or like some some l rods for dowsing or something like that those could all be soaked in salt water um if you live near the ocean um soaking them in ocean water is a ex- nice extra touch um but I don't, I no longer live near the ocean. Sometimes I go visit my family on the coast of Maine, but um, I can just make my own salt water anytime by getting some water and putting some salt in it and and letting things soak overnight. Extra points if you soak it in salt water in the moonlight, you know, we can double up on these things. (laughs)
0: Double up, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And a lot of people also use some form of smoke cleansing. Um, Mm -hmm. So the, I mean, the form of this that most people have, encountered um, most commonly is the practice of smudging with white sage, which is specifically a Lakota tradition that not all Lakota want to invite other people who are not Lakota into. Um, So we discourage people from practicing cultural appropriation around these things. Um, And I actually have a a blog series on this specific topic that I wrote after um, going and helping the water protectors at Standing Rock for a couple of months. And we can link to that in the show notes. If people want to, you know, if there's a new concept, if you want to know a little more about how cultural appropriation applies to specifically pagan magical practice, um, which is, a thorny place for cultural appropriation that's worth understanding. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it you is. can go go read more about that. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on it sometime, but um I I am from uh mostly descended from European ancestors and so I like to use plants that were used by my European ancestors and probably used for things like this. I mean the the evidence for exactly how people used herbs in a magical way is often pretty vague um, and pretty open to interpretation. But um, from the best we can understand, um, a couple of plants that would be really good for this are blue vervain and yarrow, which are both associated with divination and discernment and protection, at mm-hmm. uh, least on the yar- yarrow end. And also, mugwort is a really common magical um herb to burn especially specifically in the british isles is where i've heard of it um and it purifies and protects and mugwort also carries a lot of energy around dreams and symbol um, which feels very relevant yes. to divination work if that's what you're yes. what you're doing and i actually have all three of these herbs growing in my garden here in vermont they grow like weeds they basically are weeds um according to some people um <laughs> But yarrow, mugwort, and blue vervain, all very easy to grow, Um, certainly in in the climate of the Northeastern United States. It's pretty easy. Um, And then, you know, if you don't have garden space or you don't care to grow your own, you can certainly get them from any, like, herb vendor. But um, it's pretty cool to, to have your own patch and pick some and dry them in the height of the season. And then if you have something you want to purify, you can just... Um, light up some charcoal of some kind and uh, sprinkle the dried herb onto the charcoal and let that smoke come up and cleanse it that's a more um, more traditionally European way of burning the herbs than like making it a little bundle like you would with white sage that's that's more the turtle island way um, right yeah So those both um, work really well but there's an alternative to that to smoke cleansing especially if you like Live in a city apartment and you don't want to set off the fire alarm or something like that, you know. Um, that's mm-hmm. called saning that I've learned a lot about from you, Jamie. Do you want to tell us a little bit about saning?
0: Yeah, let's talk about saning. So the word the 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 English a translated word, saying, actually comes from the Scottish Gaelic word. Um, and I think it's pronounced the same way, although I'm not sure. I'll have to double check that. But it's S-E-U-N, sane And that word means a charm. <laughs> and it really refers to um, like a spoken charm that's said while you are purifying something. And saying can be performed with water. Um, and that's you know, when, when a purification with water is performed, it's sometimes called an asperge or also maybe a lustration, um, but saning can also occur through fire as well. So, um, you know, I have some, I have a lot of Scottish ancestry uh, in, in my family tree and my ancestors would have uh, lit big fires um, every so often, probably about twice a year, and they would have driven all of their farm animals like through these fires. Um, in the winter, they would have lit a specific fire for purification in the house, and in the Scottish tradition, sanding is um, is used with juniper. So basically, if you're doing the lustration version with water, you would have some water. You would have like a little branch of juniper, preferably with the berries on it, that you would dip into the water, and you would be saying a spoken charm or maybe even a Bible verse, because Scottish folk magic is very syncretic and often in- incorporated things from um, new religions as they as they came, as they became more popular and more accepted. Uh, it just adapts like that. So you would you know say the charm, and you would just basically use the branch to dip it in the water. And, and sprinkle it and sprinkle the water um, over whatever you were trying to uh purify um same with the fire a charm would be said as you know as people or animals were passing through the smoke um so that's saning. and you know i just want to because we were talking about cultural appropriation and how um how these types of folk magics are used. I wanna to point to people towards Scott Richardson Reed's site. His site is called Kaliax Herbarium and it has a lot of really, really interesting information as far as um, more indigenous European traditions, um, as well as information about how you know, modern pagans and witches, uh, druids, uh, other folks of those uh, (laughs) uh, that belong to some of those groups, how they can avoid um, appropriating the traditions. Um, Because, you know, appropriation is, has a lot to do with using traditions out of context and uh, without learning everything about them before you go public with them and promote them and teach them to others and Scott Richardson Reed has a lot of really good things to say about that so I always point people you know point people toward that but certainly the the cleansing by lustration um so basically you know dipping an an herb or a sacred tree into water and sprinkling it on things is pretty it's cross-cultural it goes it you know I it goes all the way down to uh, Italy and to ancient Greece where they did carnips, which is a very similar thing. Um, And it's so easy to do, but like you said, with uh, putting things in salt water, you just want to be careful. Um, You, I mean, I have used lustration to cleanse tarot cards before, but of course I just sprinkled them a little, (laughs) you know, you don't want to go overboard with it. So yeah, so and that's a little pe- bit about saining and sanding and sprinkling.
1: <laughs> yes, sprinkling the magic waters. Um, and if people are looking for the saining info on Scott Richardson Reed's site, um, the, the modern English spelling of sanding is S-A-I-N-I-N-G. It's not the old Gaelic S-E-U-N that you mentioned earlier. So just so that doesn't confuse yeah, people. Great. Oh, yes. Um, great. Thank
0: you for that clarification. And well, in the show notes, we'll put a link to the like the, the specific article about saining.
1: Awesome. Uh, Jamie, do you want to talk a little bit about your approach to consecrating a magical object or divination tool? Yeah.
0: So purifying is a process of cleansing. Consecrating is a a process of dedication. Um, And it's basically just kind of assigning, um, you know, sort of announcing yourself being in relationship with the tool and, and talking with the tool and communicating in a ritual way and a magical way of what you know what the purpose is um for example you know when i receive a new deck of tarot cards if i'm going to be using it to read for myself or others um you know i want to go ahead and and consecrate it first and what i do is you know i create sacred space for me that means i cast a circle i set some wards um And then, you know, I give the deck a little bit of a blessing. Uh, I like to sing to things, so usually I will sing a chant over it. Um, Other people like to maybe, you know, they like to do like an elemental blessing where they'll invite air, fire, earth, water, spirit to, you know, bless the new tool. Um, There are many different things you can do. And then, you know, you speak your ethical intentions, like your your intentions for ethical use of the deck. This is... um, you know, where you can incorporate some things from your code of honor, like we discussed on our last episode of the podcast. And then I like to enliven things that um, I often talk about my animus perspective um, about everything, basically everything that I interact with in the world. So, for example, my tarot cards whenever I pull them out to use them, I take the, I, they're wrapped in silk. So they, I take them out of their wrapping. I take them out of their box and I will actually just breathe on them. Like I will just literally turn all four corners of the cards and, you know, the front and the back of the deck and I'll just like intentionally exhale. And I'm, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to infuse them with a little bit of my life energy. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of uh, romantic at heart, I guess, so I also give them kisses. (laughs) I'll kiss the front and back of the deck, and then I'll use them. And then when I want to put them away, I will do a similar thing when I put them away. And that's just kind of, uh, for me, that process, uh, it feeds energy into my tool, but it also recalls the ritual of consecration and the relationship that I made with uh, that specific tool uh, when I first received it. So. That's a little bit, but do you have any other thoughts on consecrating your tools?
1: Um, I think that just about covers it. I usually just do some little, little acknowledgement when I first start using a tool. And sometimes it's not like a whole, you know, separate circle cast ritual or anything like that, but just, um, a process of familiarization. Like if I get a new deck, I'm going to like go through and look at every card and, you know make sure they're not like sticking together like they do after the when they come out of the factory sometimes and just sort of like <laughs> start to build relationship with them a little bit and then and they do some kind of like formal like and now we will work together and sometimes if I like, if I buy a deck of tarot cards and I'm like not totally sure what my relationship to it is going to be, I might not actually do a consecration ritual before I use it a few times and like get a sense for it. And like, oh, is this is this deck really going to be mine? Is this a deck that I'm going to just keep on hand for students to try out? Is it a deck I'm going to give away to a friend because it's not resonating with me? Um, so I don't feel like I have to do a consecration every time I like pick up a new tool. But if I'm planning to build a deep relationship, then that feels like an important thing to do.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, because I have, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I have like a huge amount of tarot decks, but I do have a few because like I said, I like art. And so sometimes I, you know, get them because they're actually beautiful and they're, and I just like to look at them and those decks. I think you in have a lot of
1: tarot decks, Jamie. <laughs> really?
0: You think I have a lot? I guess I know other people I mean, that have way more. Other people have
1: more, but you have like at least 10, right?
0: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't have time to like jump off the uh, recording and and go count, but uh I will <laughs> we'll update in the back show in the notes in the next episode. I will, yeah, how many I will update decks it in the, the show have. <laughs> And then I will count after we're done recording and I will put it in the show notes and and people can judge for themselves whether it's
1: a lot. <laughs> or not. But
0: uh, what I was going to say is I have not gone through a process of consecrating all of them because I don't really use all of them regularly, like you were saying, you know, and the ones that I have gone through the ritual with and that I always animate when I use. I mean, those those are the. It, it's, it's like I have a it's like having a close friend and having acquaintances right <laughs> you know totally. the consecration the consecration stuff is is usually what I do with you know those tools that I have a very close uh deep working magical relationship with yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a let's question, talk a little
1: bit oh okay wait I, I'm having an idea that I, I want to bounce off you um how do we purify and consecrate Tarot apps on our phones. <laughs> oh, all right, all
0: right, that's a cool question. question. Yeah, because you use because when you we like to use. We that, talked about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I do. I I use and I mean I use the Rider Waite Smith app on my phone, and I use a physical Rider Waite Smith deck that I have a deep relationship with. So I kind of feel like when I'm using it on the phone, it's just kind of like tapping into my relationship with that deck. That I already have and I also like I've been I was recently at a friend's house and he had like three tarot decks and we wanted to do a tarot reading so we were like oh which one shall we use and we ended up using the Rider-Waite-Smith one because we were both really familiar with it so then I was having having a relationship with his Rider-Waite-Smith deck which has the same images but it's not the same actual physical deck as mine so I I do feel like there is like I have a specific relationship with my physical deck but there's a like sibling relationship with all of the other s- decks of the same kind um, that I can like tap into. And I feel like that's my relationship with the, uh, the app on my phone. I don't know how to purify the app on my phone. I thought I'd just give up well, on that one, but. <laughs> actually, that's
0: like a really interesting thing to think about. And like the first thing that I think of is so those images in the Rider Waite-Smith deck by Pamela Coleman-Smith Um are so iconic like they they probably exist as entities at this point because like so many people have interacted with those images and so it makes total sense that you would have a relationship with the images and the this the tool that you specifically have with those images on it um which is really cool i'm kind of getting chills like thinking about that i'm going to have to i'm going to journal about that later that's a pretty cool idea um but I'm thinking about like, so if you have the app on the, on your phone, cause you like to use that fool's dog app. You talk about that, um, yep. a lot. Uh, well, I suppose you could smoke cleanse your phone, you know, you could, you could pass your uh, phone through some, you know, some sacred smoke and cleanse it. Um, the other thing I think if you wanted to, like pure i mean consecrating the app would be pretty easy i would think because basically open the app and speak some words of intent right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um mm-hmm. i think that that would be pretty easy to do i know someone who we you know we we're talking about carnips, which is you know a an ancient greek form of lustration um they actually do nips on their phone through their through, through like messaging apps by using emojis what? <laughs> so oh basically my gosh. yeah Yeah, so basically they do it because to perform carnips, you have a bowl of water and you light a a bay leaf or a piece of uh, rosemary Uh, on fire and you plunge it into the water uh, while it's burning and so you're sort of that's that's purifying the water and then you can also if you're using rose i like using rosemary because then you can use the little rosemary sprig to like sprinkle the water but you could also use your hands so my friend um she (laughs) (laughs) on her phone will put like a little leaf emoji and a little fire emoji and then a little water emoji to represent the like little process of Oh of my gosh that's amazing. It. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll use that like in in messaging apps. So, I mean you could try you could develop something like that for your own use.
1: That's fascinating. <laughs> that's really interesting. Well, that was a fun tangent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about care and maintenance. Uh you want to speak to care and maintenance of magical tools?
1: Yeah. Um I try to store particularly my divination tools, but any magical tools really, in a pretty intentional way. Um, you know, if it's like a a, a card deck, um, I want to pick a bag or a box that will protect it from wear as I'm, you know, throwing it in my backpack and taking it wherever I'm going. Um and a lot of people find it helpful to wrap their tarot deck in fabric. Um, and a lot of people like silk. Um, many, many books recommend white silk, but I don't think that the color is actually um, that important. Um, but okay. silk has... Yeah, a... I
0: don't find the color to be important. Yeah, I, I feel I like just... that gets
1: into weird, like, racial dynamics, too. Like, why is it why, yeah. why is white yeah, a good color? That's, you know, no. let's leave that one I behind. Do... Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um so but silk as a material is considered a spiritual insulator um that kind of protects the deck from whatever psychic energy is like floating around um like you know when when you and i are doing different magical practices and circles sometimes we'll wear silk like on our necks or on our heads to kind of help mute all of the psychic energy that's floating around if you're yes. dealing with deities yes. and things like that and so this is a similar thing with your tarot deck just wrap it in a little silk and it um, you know, silk is a very like energy intensive product to produce, you know, all these silkworms mm-hmm. have to make their little cocoons and they have to get processed extensively. So I I try to get used silk. I try not to buy silk new. Um, just because that's a whole Uh, ethical quandary in and of itself um but there's often silk available like little silk like granny scarves at thrift stores or you can get a (laughs) silk shirt and cut it up and hem Mm -hmm. it to make a um a little wrap for your for your deck or you know maybe you even find some silk in a free pile it's been known to happen
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah my the silk that is wrapped around my tarot deck is uh what what you mentioned the little granny handkerchief
1: (laughs) yep they're great they're great um, but if you don't have silk, I wouldn't sweat it too much. It's still nice to have like just any bandana or fabric scrap, um, you know, natural materials are great, you know, cotton, silk, wool, leather, these kinds of things, but whatever you've got, it's nice to to wrap your deck in a little fabric just so it doesn't get all, um, sort of disorganized in its storage area and, and, and receive extra wear. Um, and other, I mean, I like, like to, my root. I think of oh, it as
0: like a, um. I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think of it as like, uh, it's almost like a sleeping bag. That's what, that's what I call it. sleeping uh, bag because, for your trodeck. <laughs> yeah, it's a sleeping bag for your tools because you're like putting them to bed and they can rest and they're covered up and they're safe in their little sleeping bag.
1: <laughs> totally. And and some t- tools are a little hardier. Like ru- the rune sets that I make, I make little drawstring cotton bags out of like old quilting fabric for those just to you know keep the set together and protected but it, they're not as delicate as as like paper products um and 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 some some divination tools overlap with altar items like there we might have like a, a rune disk that you keep on your altar that has a certain rune on it that you're working with or you might have a tarot card that you're just working with that energy and you're keeping that out on the altar and for for anything on your altar you know take care of it you know dust your altar occasionally you know wash things that are getting kind of dirty um you know i live in a house with a wood stove so there's just always like dust on everything from the from the smoke that gets out um and um yeah just give them whatever care is needed or appropriate you know wipe them with a cloth or something like that um and also listen for when they want to be switched out and take a break from being your altar item or when when yeah. you've worked with that energy long enough or if the the tool itself is seeming a little dull maybe it's time to give it a break wrap it up in a sleeping bag with its friends and bring <laughs> something else out um and uh yeah care care for things respectfully um and i think if you make the magical items in your life if you treat your magical items in your life as you would treat a friend then they will do more for you in in return yeah yeah um,
0: I, well and i think you'll have an it, the Because you have a better relationship, it seems almost like there's an easier flow of magic or an easier flow of the divination or the inspiration or, like, whatever you're, you know, whatever you've consecrated the tool for.
1: And sometimes it is time to let go of a magical tool. Um, And there's many different ways you can do that. Sometimes you bring it to the magical free table at a (laughs) a witchy (laughs) gathering, like Weaver Camp or whatever. Um, But sometimes you know, these things. it's actually feels like it's important to give it back to the earth. Um, and that that is sort of a whole other process if it's time to not just pass it on, but kind of like decommission it and dispose of it. Um, so, I, I mean, I like to give it back to the earth or the waters or the fire if it's environmentally safe to do so. You know, if I've got mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a piece of polished amethyst that I've used on my altar that I'm ready to let go of, I might like toss it in a nearby stream to become one of the pebbles in the stream bed, because that's environmentally safe to do. So I don't know that I can think of a super fantastically environmentally friendly way to get rid of a tarot deck that you, you, other than (laughs) than giving it away, you know, um, maybe you could bury it, but it's just got a lot of like plastic coatings and dyes and like, they're not super environmentally friendly things to to recycle in some way so if you did need to actually throw something in the trash you just want to do so with care um like cleanse it first you know put it in the moonlight put it give it the salt water bath whatever um before you throw it away because like it's kind of like this non-consensual magic to have like your garbage man hauling around this trash bag that has this like very magical object in it that has whatever you know um energy on it that you were working with, and. I think it's good to just clean up after yourself, cleanse that energy, and then if you need to just throw it in the trash, then that's what you can do. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you may not want that energetic cord connecting you to the tool anymore either, right? So if somebody else randomly down the line uh, picks it up and starts using it... um, someone that you don't know, you don't really want that connection. Right. So it's, it's good to just kind of close that relationship out. And, you know, um, I think it's just good spiritual hygiene. Right. But yeah, yeah. I agree with everything you say. Yeah. Um, a lot of things uh, it's just, again, because of like where I live, I don't, I'm not really close to bodies of water. Um, you know, I, I would have to drive to kind of get to different places. Uh, so Typically, for me, I would do what you were saying, like um, either return it to the earth if that is environmentally safe, or, um, or 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 to fire. I think those are my main two, like go tos <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. But yeah, and if it's a um, if it's actually something that's you know I mentioned like the little brass cauldron that I inherited, I can't imagine myself giving that away or decommissioning it. But if I did, um, I would just re I would drop it at a thrift store. I would just let it, or on a free table, you know, I would just let it kind of continue um, and move on and, and, you know, someone else can use it and they can find, they can discover their own magic or their own purpose for using that thing. So, well, cool. I think that is about it for this episode. Did you have any final thoughts you wanted to add Murphy?
1: Um, no, I'm, I'm just enjoying how this episode has reminded me about um, being an active relationship with the tools in that direct way. And it makes me think maybe I should dust my altar. <laughs> so maybe I'll do that after this.
0: <laughs> um, so I don't know if, if it's coming through my microphone, but I have a new kitten and there have been a, some quiet little uh, squeals and meows and little kitten noises. <laughs> That have been occurring as she runs around my office. Uh, her name is Isla. She's named after an Amazon um, who fought Hercules in Greek mythology. And her name mm-hmm. it means whirlwind because she's fast and spicy. <laughs> awesome. So if and you she's hear. So
1: cute. I've seen pictures. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you if you hear a little kitten noises, that's Isla. She's a new addition to our household. Well, well, as white far kitten as. With
1: a calico crown. It's very cute.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 She's, she's great. Um, and it, she's thrifted too. We thrift our animals. <laughs> we, <laughs> we uh, all of our animals are adopted. We always adopt from the humane society or, um, humane capture organizations and things like that. So (laughs) Um, announcements. Okay, so we still have Weaver Camp coming up. And if you haven't heard about it by now, it's July 21st to the 24th in Vermont. It's open to anyone, whether you've attended any way of the Weaver programs before or not, as long as you're 18 and over. Uh, Registration will be open until July 14th. So it still will be open for a few days when this episode drops. And we're going to camp in the forest. We're going to have fun workshops. We're going to have lots of time to hang out and enjoy the land, the weather, and each other. There's going to be two uh, really great group rituals. And our theme is the Lady of the Lake and the Arthurian Mythos. And we really want you to join us. There's just a few spots left. So um, in the show notes, there'll be a link to go and register for Weaver Camp. So think about it. Uh, Murphy, tell me what you have coming up in uh, July or later this summer
1: um pretty much everything in july except weaver camp is full up but later in the summer and the fall um i've got another session of trans vermont trans camp will be running in october um over indigenous people's day weekend also sometimes known as columbus day weekend um and that the registration for that will probably open sometime in august but you'll want to be on my email list um to get registered for that because registration I and mean, the last one sold out in nine hours of when I open registration. So you got to like be on top of it. Um, and uh, looking at some fall fall skills. Um, I have some e-courses available. I have one in ethical and spiritual hunting called hunting with heart. Um, I have a course in axe skills about how to use an axe to split firewood, clear down trees, fell trees, things like that. Um, and I just filmed an archery course. I haven't got it edited and posted yet, but hopefully, um, before too long, uh, there will be an basic archery course up on my website as an e-course. So things you can register and watch the videos, take them from anywhere you are in the world. So that's exciting to be making those things more accessible to folks. What about you, Jamie? What do you have coming up this summer? Uh, well. This
0: episode will drop just before Mystic South, which is a big uh, pagan and magic uh, witchcraft conference in Atlanta, Georgia. It's July 14th through the 16th. Um, I'll be attending. I'll be uh, signing books there, um, some of the anthologies and oracle decks, things that I've been in in the past. And uh, I will be giving a lecture on death priestlysing, which is our Winter 2024 Way of the Weaver online module. So you can get a little preview if you're at Mystic South. You can also get a preview at the Salem Witchcraft and Folklore Festival, which is in August. It's August 3rd through the 6th, where I'll be giving the lecture again. And that's an online event. And they have several different ticket options for you to explore to kind of fit that into your budget, whether you just want to attend one workshop or all the workshops. So check them out. Uh, They're online at SalemWitchFest.com. Um, I mentioned death pre You can go to the Way of the Weaver website because enrollment is open now, and we already have some people enrolling. Um, so again, that's going to be in winter 2024, but if it's something you're interested in, you can head over and check it out. And last but not least, my really big announcement is my first full-length nonfiction book is being published by Llewellyn Worldwide, and it's entitled Hades. <laughs> myth, magic, and modern devotion. And so that is actually going to, the print book will be released in February, 2024, but you can support me right now if you like, by going to the Llewellyn website and pre-ordering a copy of the book. So that is really exciting.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited for this book. It is such a good book. I got to read the drafts of the chapters as they were coming out, and it's um, very, very high quality, well-researched, uh, ethically grounded, like Just a fantastic book on Hades, I highly recommend.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And well, there's a lot of basic, uh, like magical technique and practice in there too. So even if you're only like partially interested in Hades, but you also wanna know how to develop like a really rich magical practice for yourself at home, um, it gives you all the tools to do that. So yeah, so I would love it if people checked it out. As far as uh, announcements go, I think that's it. Are we done? I think we're done. (laughs) We're
1: done. Another episode down.
0: All right. Well, hopefully we'll see you at Weaver Camp. If we don't see you at Weaver Camp, maybe we'll see you on one of our social media channels or in person. So, well, blessed be and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. You can learn more about Way of the Weaver programs at www.wayoftheweaver.com. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. It also helps if you write us a review. Subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a new episode. They'll be coming out on or around the 13th of every month.
1: Our theme music is by Fern Maddie, and you can find more from her at fernmaddymusic.com. Remember that magic is real, present all around us, and a profound tool for justice and transformation use it well